Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch. I'm Roy Holly, along with Alvin Bailey and our host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, we have a great show lined up today. We have Dr. Bud Weinstein, economist and associate director of SMU's McGuire Energy Institute on the line. And you'll have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. Kim, before we bring on Dr. Weinstein onto the show, let's talk about what's going on in the Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. Well, you know, Roy and Alvin, we're working on our latest issue um, our issues cover will be the chairman of the Railroad Commission. Don't give it away yet. No, go ahead. Give it away. Chairman Porter, who uh, I'm proud to announce also is uh, a co-chair of the Ted Cruz campaign as well. So we're really excited to have him on the cover and covering all the stuff that he has accomplished in the six years that he has been the Railroad Commissioner. Now he is the chairman. And, you know, I always always say that regulatory framework matters and it's because it's truthful you know you need to get good texas uh railroad commissioners in there that understand both sides of the coin meaning they protect the community they protect the infrastructure they protect uh, the population uh, against possibly if there is a bad operator out there but also the other side of the coin is making sure that the operators are uh, able to do their work and be able to be monitored. And so what Commissioner Porter has done very well, in my opinion, is basically brought them both together. Um, And so having um, a railroad commissioner uh, that understands and has experience is really important. And so hopefully um, we covered him because he's just been a great person to get to know, and hopefully our readers will enjoy uh, getting to know him a little bit better. We're also getting ready for the State of Energy in San Antonio. We just completed um, the State of Energy in Corpus Christi. And what a great turnout. I, I, I'm telling you, I was uh, amazed. But you know what? Corpus Christi gets it um, You know, all the way around. They get how important energy is. They have the beautiful port of Corpus Christi there. Um, there's so much oil and gas out there. There's refinery. There's midstream. So, uh, you know, the fact that it was a sold-out event... I, I knew it was, you knew it was too, but to see the people waiting in line to see if they could just get a seat um, if someone didn't show up, to me, that was kind of amazing. And Corpus Media understands and appreciates the opportunities that oil and gas have given that region. Correct. We had a lot of media coverage as well. Uh, not to mention the fact that it was just a, one of the most beautiful places the Ortiz Center, along with being at the port of Corpus Christi's uh, actual port and seeing the ships come through. What a beautiful backdrop, making beautiful pictures for when we publish it in Shell Magazine. So very, very successful event, State of Energy and Corpus. We uh, made the front page of the Corpus Christi Times, which is their local newspaper, as well as a couple of TV stations, Channel 6 being one of them, KRIS-TV. Now, Kim, the State of Energy Luncheon for San Antonio is coming up in December, and are we expecting the same turnout? We are, and a complete sellout. Our MC is Steve Spruster of KSAT 12. He will be uh, emceeing the event. 
We have Chairman Porter, the Texas Railroad Commissioner, who is our keynote speaker. And then our panelists will consist of the president of Howard Energy. We have a vice president from Halliburton. We have uh, Incana that will be there as well. And we also have Chaotic Moon. We have Senator Carlos Uristi, as well as the president of STEER, Omar Garcia. It's a great panel. It's going to be a great event. You know, think about this. You're going to be able to hear it from an EMP energy producer. There's also going to be a major service company, Halliburton, and then also on the downstream, a pipeliner, Howard Energy. Uh, And we're going to discuss what's going on in Mexico and all the reforms and everything. So you've got everything in this luncheon you could want to learn about oil and gas. Is the format for San Antonio going to be the same as the format for Corpus, or are we switching it up a little bit? It'll be the same in the sense that we have a keynote speaker. However, we uh, did learn a little bit of a lesson. The folks that are coming to the event want to have an opportunity to talk to the panelists, and so we'll have more time given to have Q&A. Kim, is the San Antonio event sold out yet, or can you still get tickets for that? If so, how do you get tickets to the, the San Antonio State of Energy Luncheon? They can go to shellmag.com slash state dash energy. Again, that's shellmag.com slash state dash energy. But you better hurry because this event will sell out just like the Corpus event sold out. And we were, we were almost standing room only in Corpus. That's correct. And with that, we're about done with this segment. So we do need to take a break, Kim. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with Roy Holly and our host, Kim Bellotto, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out and even your built ford tough trucks well they need to be serviced too so do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership or do you call teresa you see blue bonnet ford has teresa when you call teresa her team will pick up your ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days that's the blue bonnet difference so don't let downtime cost you thousands call teresa today and keep your fleet working here's the number 210-643-4391 Again, write it down, 210-643-4391, or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Blue Bonnet Ford, a proud member of the Caleg Auto Group. The inaugural State of Energy event is coming up on December 9th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Pearl Stables in San Antonio, Texas. The event is sponsored by Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine, Steer, and the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Our speaker lineup will include Halliburton, Senator Uresti, Omar Garcia of Steer, and more. Sponsorship packages and tickets can be purchased by contacting Blanca at the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Call 210-225-0462. Once again, that's 210-225-0462. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com or call 210-240-7188. 
And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. We're visiting with Dr. Bernard Weinstein, economist and associate director of SMU's McGuire Energy Institute. Kim? Hello, Dr. Weinstein. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing just great. How are you doing? Great. Well, let's get started with, tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you uh, got started in uh, being in the role of an energy economist. You can't live in Texas for 40 years and not become interested in energy. I am an economist by training. I've been at a number of Texas universities, and I'm mainly interested in public policy. And I've done work over the years in taxation, economic development, international trade, and energy. But for the last six or seven years, I've been focused almost exclusively on energy issues. And I'm currently working with the McGuire Energy Institute, which is part of the Cox School of Business at Southern Methodist University. I'm the associate director. I'm mainly involved uh, on the research side of the organization. And I do a lot of public speaking to business and professional groups on energy issues. So I'm just uh, real interested in energy these days because there is so much going on. There's so many unresolved public policy issues. A lot of people are trying to understand what's been happening over the past year, what's the cause of all the turmoil that's seen oil prices drop from more than $100 a barrel to $45, $46 a barrel. And more importantly, what does that mean? For the U.S. economy, what does it mean for different industries? Is it good? Is it bad? And those are the types of questions that I try to answer in my public speaking, in my writing, and in my teaching. Great. Can you tell me a little bit about SMU, McGuire Energy Institute? What specifically is that? Is it just focusing on oil and gas energy or different types of energy? The Institute is 40 years old. It was originally called the McGuire Oil and Gas Institute, and it's named for Cary McGuire, who is uh, the chairman of McGuire Oil. He's uh, about 90 years old now, although he's still active. But in uh, recent years, we've been more broadly focused, and I guess it was maybe 10 years ago the name was changed to the McGuire Energy Institute. Well, we do focus primarily on oil and gas and coal and hydrocarbons generally. We've also done some work in in renewables. Uh, I've had a longstanding relationship with the Nuclear Energy Institute. So we're focused on all forms of energy. Very interesting. I always like to talk to economists and see what they think about oil and gas, the industry mainly because... Everyone seems to have such a diverse yet similar insight into this issue or into the issue of oil and gas and what the industry is facing. So give me your opinion, your expert opinion, on what is the state of the industry currently. Today the industry is under a lot of stress. We have seen more than 200,000 allowance layoffs in the past year. We've seen the drilling rig count drop by 60%. And for the last three or four months, total production of U.S. oil and natural gas has been falling. And that's the first time we've seen a drop since around 2007, 2008. What has happened, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, is that we had this so-called shale revolution that started 
around 2006, 2007, and as a result of drilling into shale formations horizontally and combining that with hydraulic fracturing, we've seen a huge increase in domestic oil and natural gas production. In fact, oil production has gone up about 100% over the past decade. Natural gas production is up about 75%. And it's propelled us into being the number one producer of oil and gas in the world. What has happened is that OPEC is not happy with our, our newfound energy abundance because they've been losing market share. And unlike in the past, when there was an oversupply of oil on the world market, OPEC now says that they're not going to cut back production, which is what they would do historically to maintain prices. Their argument is that it's North America, the U.S. and Canada, who are totally responsible for this increase in global oil production and the current glut. So let us, that is to say, let the North Americans become the swing producers. As a rule, it's more expensive to produce uh, oil and gas in North America than it is in the Middle East. So that's the strategy they're pursuing. And they have uh, consequently uh, sat on the sidelines while maintaining, indeed increasing output, trying to drive out higher cost shale producers in the United States as well as the oil sands producers in Canada. And they've had some success, but it's taken much longer than they anticipated. It's been almost a, it was almost a year before we started to see production drop. And uh, the fallout is now being felt across the industry, as I mentioned, with a growing number of layoffs and uh, drops in the rig count. Uh, we've seen bankruptcy filings increase, lots of asset sales mergers, consolidations. So it's really a time of turmoil in the U.S. oil and gas industry, particularly for the small and medium-sized independent producers. Dr. Weinstein, mm -hmm. tell me where you think the bottom is. Uh, I know it's uh, anyone's guess, but some other economists that we've spoken to have kind of said they have forecasted, well, we believe it'll dry up at this amount by what's being used out on the market at this current rate. So where do you, where do you think the bottom is? And um, You mean in terms of the oil price? Yes. I think we've uh, plumbed the bottom. I don't think we're going to see prices dropping below $40. I don't think they're going to go up a lot from where they are right now. I have seen some scenarios painted whereby oil drops down to 30 or even $20 a barrel, but for that scenario to materialize, we'd, we'd be looking at some kind of a financial crisis or global economic or political uh, event, and I, it's hard for me to, to imagine you know, what that might be. So, yeah, there are some some bears who, who think uh, prices are going to go even lower, but, but I don't think so. We've seen a type of stability, I guess you'd call it that, over the last six months uh, with prices you know, staying in that 40 to $50 range, although they did run up to $60 a couple of months ago but didn't stay there very long. And we are getting into uh, the winter season when demand for oil and petroleum products is lower than it is in the summer. In the summer, but I, I don't think prices are going to go any lower. But I, I think they're going to stay in this uh, this range of you know forty five to fifty dollars, uh, probably until next summer. Maybe a slight increase then as demand picks up. 
All right. Well, you know, we had a, a vote, I believe it was last week, on uh, lifting the export ban, mm-hmm. which did pass. Tell me your thoughts on um, where do we go from here? What are your beliefs of if this is going to pass or not? And what do well, you I think? Well, I think you know, it, it's passed the House. I think it will pass the Senate. President Obama has said he will veto it, and he doesn't really give a cogent reason for uh, threatening to veto the, veto the oil export ban. But you know, he says, "Oh, this should be a matter of, of executive decision." And there are more important energy issues like my uh, climate action plan that we need to be focusing on. But but clearly, the oil export ban has outlived its usefulness, if indeed it ever had one. Remember, it was imposed after the OPEC embargo in the mid-1970s. The feeling back then was that oil was such a precious commodity, we needed to harbor whatever we had. And then we also developed a strategic petroleum reserve. And we've you know, pumped uh, you know a couple of billion barrels into this reserve, so that if there were another embargo, we have enough to keep the economy running for another six or seven months. And that's also kind of silly today because oil production is higher today in, in the U.S. than it's ever been. So the you know the rationale just doesn't exist anymore. We don't have a security threat. Our import dependency is much less than it was at the, at the time of the embargo. I think the reason that embargo remains in place <clears throat> is because the environmental community doesn't want us exporting. And the environmental community has a lot of sway with President Obama and some members of Congress. And their rationale is, look, anything we do in the U.S. that increases the production or consumption of oil anywhere in the world is bad for the planet, end of story, because it's a fossil fuel, and all fossil fuels are bad. And that's pretty much the mentality of most of the mainstream environmental groups. Um, Like I said, however, I do think this is going to pass, and that while the president has threatened to veto it, you may see uh, some canny maneuvers by the Congress, such as attaching the export ban, say, to um, the debt ceiling bill. As you know, in, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to hit the debt ceiling, and right. you know, Congress has either got to raise the ceiling or shut down government. And we did have a government shutdown a couple of years ago. <clears throat> if, if the uh, removal of the export ban is attached to the uh, debt ceiling bill, we'll see some very interesting politics playing out. The reality is that we really don't need legislation that President Obama could lift the ban by executive order, but right. he's not going to do that. Correct. Dr. Weinstein, do you think there's an opportunity to make up the difference by this LNG export plan that has been approved for you know several companies to be able to export liquefied natural gas? Well, I think it's great that we're slowly getting into that business. Uh, there's a terminal in Louisiana, Chenier Energy. Uh, they're supposed to start shipping liquefied natural gas either late this year or early next year. <clears throat> there's the Freeport facility in Texas. They're supposed to uh, go on stream, I believe, in late 2016 or early 2017. But in terms of having a major impact on the Texas economy or major impact on the natural gas industry, I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's going to be a long, long time uh, 
in at least a decade in the best case scenario before the United States becomes a major exporter of liquefied natural gas. I think that will happen. But remember, you know, we're getting into the business at the same time that uh, Australia is expanding its capacity, Algeria is expanding its capacity, other countries like Qatar or they're 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 already big in natural gas exports and they're expanding as well. So we've got a lot of competition out there and the spread isn't what it was a year ago. A year ago, you know, the landed costs of uh, LNG in Japan was maybe 15 or 16 dollars, but today it's dropped below 8. Mm. Well, just changing gears a little bit, do you think, let's talk about taxes uh, on the industry. Do you think that the industry should be taxed any differently than it currently is right now? And are there any tax incentives that are missing which businesses could use to secure the longevity in the industry? Well, some states, uh, I think even Texas, the producers get a, a break on their severance tax payments when prices drop below a certain level. I don't know what that benchmark is. I know it's also true in, in North Dakota. But if you're talking more more broadly about the tax burden on the oil and gas industry, uh, federal, state, and local, there's probably no industry that pays more taxes than, uh, than oil and gas. And it drives me crazy. Every year, every single State of the Union speech that Obama has made since he took office has said we need to increase taxes in the oil and gas industry because they don't pay their fair share. And that's absolutely false. And I'm wondering, in today's price environment, if he'll make the same statement in the State of the Union address this coming January. But every single year, he says, oil and gas industry is not paying its fair share of taxes. Well, I was um, pretty amazed to see how some of the Texas legislators voted on when going back to the uh, export ban and lifting it and seeing that uh, every elected official, almost every one of them voted yes to lift the ban. And um, except for two that were in our district here, Democrat Joaquin Castro voted no and uh, Lloyd Doggett, Democrat Lloyd Doggett. And I was just amazed to see that Obviously, there's a lot of reaction occurring with layoffs in the industry and here, even here at home uh, in Austin and San Antonio and Houston and Corpus. So um, I just kind of thought that was uh, a pretty strange vote that they would vote against well, it's it. Well, it's, it's all about politics. You know, Doggett is, is a liberal and he's going to side with uh, Obama in any case. You know, whatever Obama wants to do, you know, Doggett's going to follow but you're, you talk about San Antonio, a lot of folks don't understand, even here in Texas, that San Antonio has become an oil town. Right. That well, you know, we are catching up. I have to believe, and I do believe, that, you know, we have some state of energy uh, events that have occurred, one in Corpus and one that will be happening here in San Antonio December 9th. And, you know, the uh, even though they're not directly in where they're drilling these two cities, they're re- they are wreaking the benefits indirectly. Well, more than more than that, San Antonio has become the logistics center for the Eagle Ford Shale play, which is the number one oil producing region in the United States right exactly. now. Exactly, exactly. One point two, one point three million barrels a day, and that's down from where it was a year ago. 
and, and you, you, you can see it. You drive into San Antonio on I-10, and you think you're driving into Midland because you see all the drilling equipment and the rigs and stuff. And So, yeah, it's been a real shot in the arm for San Antonio and all of South Texas. And you've got a lot of communities, smaller communities, who are really hurting now. Uh, there are fewer jobs. There's less income circulating. And that's the... Uh, the economic impact, that's the spillover effect. That's what happens. Well, uh, statewide, oil and gas jobs account for, I believe it's a little over 4% of all the jobs in the state of Texas, and I would be willing to bet that that percentage is even higher in San Antonio, Houston, Corpus, Midland, Odessa, the oil-producing yeah, pro- areas. Yeah, pro- that's probably true, but when you say 4 or 5%, that's just looking at kind of direct employment. That's not including all the indirect employment. that you know, All those businesses that that, that provide goods and services to the energy sector. If you count all those, we're probably talking uh, uh, at least 10% of the state's employment. Well, you know, going back to San Antonio, I do believe that San Antonio and Corpus, they, you know, Corpus, you go down there and it's, it's basically an oil town, and San Antonio's not far behind it. They really do get the impact, uh, the indirect impact, you know, we had a sellout crowd in Corpus, and we believe we'll have the same in San Antonio. And it's companies that want to engage and be service companies to the major oil and gas companies in Eagle Ford. Right. And I think that they do support the industry. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to having the state of energy. It didn't mean to jump off topic with you. I just wanted to, you know, say San Antonio really gets it, and so does Corpus. Dr. Weinstein, it's definitely been an eye-opening experience to have you speak to us today on the pressing issues that surround oil and gas in the industry. So thank you so much for being a guest on today's show, and we hope that you will come and join us again with more updates here in the near future. Oh, I'd be happy to do it anytime. Thanks once again, Dr. Weinstein, and congratulations because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, if you're the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to... Radio at shalemag.com. You'll win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. That's right, Alvin. Today's trivia question is, Dr. Weinstein is the associate director for what institute? Email your response to radio at shalemag.com. That's radio at shalemag.com, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Remember, the first correct email will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And that about does it for this week's In the Oil Patch. For Ken Bellato and Alvin Bailey, I'm Roy Holly. So long. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellato, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.